0: Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hi, Awesomes. Welcome back to Sorta Awesome. I'm your host, Meg Teets, and I am thrilled to be joined today by my Long-time co-host, long-time dear friend, Rebecca Hoffer of SimplyRebecca.com. Hi, Rebecca. How are you?
1: Hi. I have a confession.
0: Oh, let's start (laughs) off
1: things with a confession. Why not? Let's hear it. Okay, so you're like, I'm going to hit record. I'm like, great. I am ready. And then I was like, you know what? I think the font on my notes is just a little too small. So I'm going to go and I'm going to fix that. And then I went and I did that. And then shoot. What do you know? I forgot that we're on video now on oh. YouTube. And like, here I am, stoic looking, concentrating, trying to get myself organized, not smiling or paying attention to the camera at all. And it's the intro to the whole video. <laughs> like, I think we can start like- again. I'm like, I'm not even here. I'm like, I am Mm -hmm.
0: thrilled to welcome my friend Rebecca and you're just stone face. Like, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad I'm here.
1: (laughs) Oh, my word. That's embarrassing. No, listen. I'm not used to this. That's what I was going to say. It's
0: totally reasonable for the better part of eight years. We've never given one thought to what we actually were looking like on camera. We just used our video screens to just talk to each other, but now it's recorded for posterity. (laughs) I'm like
1: kind of embarrassed.
0: (laughs) Don't be embarrassed, but now that is a great organic teaser for people to go over and check out sort of awesome on YouTube. (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's so fun. I also love that you had a really fun idea for a conversation today. It's something that we've kind of touched on maybe here and there, but I don't think we've ever had a whole conversation devoted to the topic of the angst, the internal warfare that goes on when we have to make a decision if we're going to, quote unquote, DNF or did not finish a book. And we were like, let's talk about other things in our lives, too, like maybe TV shows, other things. This came from real life for you. We're going to talk more about it. But like, this was a real life thing that you were struggling with.
1: However. When I'm a firm believer in DNFing, there is angst.
0: Okay. So it's like you're like theoretically on board. You would tell anybody, go ahead, just toss the book, do not finish it. But when you have to apply it to your life, you get a little angsty. Yes. We have a lot to unpack (laughs) here. I cannot wait to get into that discussion with you. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes today here on Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes, to the show that loves to support you in becoming smart, strong, and social. If you have been looking for amazing women to connect with and also a community that will support you no matter what age or stage of life you're in, I am really happy to tell you that you have found it. You've come to the right place because Sorta Awesome is not just a podcast. We are also your community on the go. We would love to have you connect with us in one of our social media communities outside of your podcast app, whether you're listening to us right now in an app like Overcast, or maybe you listen on Spotify, or wherever you're listening, leave that app at some point and come over and check us out on Facebook in the Sort of Awesome Hangout. It's the heart of our community. Or you can find us on Instagram at Sort of Awesome Show. We would love to have you join us over there. And as we mentioned, We're on YouTube. We're just in all of the places. So come and find us. We would love to have you join our community because that's where the magic happens. Rebecca, I'm so excited to get into this talk about the internal battles that we go through and how we work through these decisions. If we're going to finish something, if we're going to DNF, if we're going to push through, what's the value in pushing through sometimes? What's the value in quitting? So much to talk about there. But first, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. If you're new to sort of awesome, awesome of the week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life just a little bit more awesome right now, whether it is a book or a TV show, a movie, a podcast, a product, an app, a recipe, whatever it is that's bringing that gold sparkle to our days. I can't wait to hear what you brought for us this week.
1: Well, I brought a book that I will be shocked if people DNF, although you have permission. (laughs) The book is called Scandalized and it is by Ivy Hmm. Owens. Of course, it's a romance novel, as I am so prone to be a fan of. Meg, have you heard of this book? I have not. So please do tell me everything by the title alone. I'm intrigued. Okay. Well, this book was released last August and it actually was written by Lauren, half of Christina Lauren.
0: What? Yes. <laughs> she went out on her own. I mean, this isn't like a permanent split, is it?
1: Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. They okay, have another good. book that's being released, or maybe it already came out this year. So, no, they are still writing together. Oh. Okay. But she has this yes. side project under this other pen name. Oh, it's my. It's very
0: exciting. <laughs> okay. Now I'm super, I mean, scandalized the title. I was intrigued. Now I'm super into this. I can't wait to hear what's it about.
1: Well, this was one of the best contemporary romances that I've read in a while. It is open door with multiple spicy scenes, and it is hitting on several quality tropes. Meg, we have celebrity with a non-celebrity. We have best friend's older brother. We have childhood crush, one night stand that always turns into more, different worlds that seem impossible to blend together. Oh, what will they do? (laughs)
0: It's so good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm loving all of the notes this is hitting so far.
1: So in Scandalized, we have Gigi who runs into her childhood crush, Alec, after a flight has been canceled. They reconnect in a hotel lobby, and Alec finds Gigi to be incredibly refreshing because she has no idea that Alec is actually a superstar. Oh, how? Well, Alec and his family had (laughs) moved out of the country when he was a teenager, and he caught his big break acting overseas. Now, forgive me, I cannot remember the country that he went big in, but it's that type of thing. And he's only just now about to hit the United States with his stardom. So Gigi was clueless about Alec and his fame. And so for the first time in a really long time, Alec felt wanted for who he is rather than for Mm. his celebrity status.
0: Right.
1: Sparks flew between Gigi and Alec and their one-night stand turns into a connection and chemistry between them that they cannot ignore. And I would also say that Scandalize would be a good read-alike if you enjoyed the book Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez that shares that same unexplainable love-lust connection with, but with their world kind of like pulling them apart. It would be a really good read-alike if you're a fan of that book. Mm -hmm. So I will say that there is a trigger warning, though, for discussion of sexual assault because a big plot point in the book is that Gigi's job is an investigative journalist, and she's working on a major story uncovering some sexual assault. So if that's an issue, you should keep that in mind. I will say that the cover of this book looks kind of like weird and cheap. It looks like indie, self-published. Is this really going to be any good? But it's Lauren of Christina Lauren. So like, you know, it's going to be good, right? Yeah. So don't judge the book by the cover. I think the cover is kind (laughs) of weird. And okay. also, the paperback version I think on Amazon is pretty pricey, but the ebook version is cheaper. Plus, it's on Kindle Unlimited, and of course, you can check the library. My library did have it. So the book again okay. is called Scandalized by Ivy Owens, but really, okay, it's Lauren, <laughs> <laughs> that is fascinating.
0: I looked up the cover. There's two different covers, is what I'm seeing. Here's okay, this so that one. one looks better. Is this the one you were talking about with the the purple fireworks?
1: You're not feeling the fireworks? This was made in Canva. (laughs) I don't know. It does. It
0: gives strong Canva energy, which look, I respect. I'm a very frequent Canva user, but it's funny because it's giving Canva energy, but this is a very, very extremely well-established romance author. So you would think there would be a little, I don't know. Covers are funny things, right? And one thing that we know from having a number of friends who are published authors is that authors have a little bit of say, but they don't have all the say in how the cover comes out. So who knows? Who knows? What Rebecca is trying to say is maybe overlook the cover and read the book and enjoy. This sounds like we're getting into summer reading season. I love a contemporary romance in the summer. So great. I'm going to try to get to this before Katie Proctor and I put together our ideas for summer reading, because I think this would be great on the list. So perfect timing, my friend. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay. Interestingly enough, but probably no surprise for the awesomes who know us well, especially our superstar awesomes, our Patreon supporters who really get the inside scoop from Rebecca and I. Both of us have awesomes of the week that are adjacent to sex. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like, where is this going? And that is not what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, yeah. Meg, truly, my listens to like, this podcast. Uh, but she's not for a reason. I know she's not on the Patreon, so <laughs> she's gonna need some extra context as to why you said all that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, what's They'll your let awesome You take care of that <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Great. She's gonna be texting me
0: for sure. Okay. So my awesome of the week this week is a series within a bigger podcast. So the podcast is Karina Longsworth, her podcast, You Must Remember This. Now, I don't know if you've heard of this podcast, Rebecca, but it is a long time, long running. I think it started in twenty fourteen. Oh, so geez. it's been pretty, it's no, sort of but awesome.
1: No, I haven't heard of it.
0: Okay. So in You Must Remember This, Karina Longsworth has been basically documenting and exploring the first century of Hollywood, starting back in like the 20s and the 30s. And she's just been telling stories and kind of doing deep dives, honestly, on different topics. Well, starting around the beginning of this year, she started a series on the 80s and it's called Erotic 80s. And now she's on into the 90s and she's continuing that motif of exploring The erotic 90s. And what she's doing is so fascinating. She's looking at the portrayal of sex, both the actual portrayal of sex, but more than that, what we can understand about culture in America in the 80s and 90s through the lens of how we portrayed sex, sexual relationships, how we talked about it, specifically through the lens of film, but also commentary on broader pop culture themes at the time. Things that were happening in current events. For example, one of the episodes in the erotic 80s series on You Must Remember This deals with the topic of AIDS and how, as the AIDS crisis was unfolding, how it first was very much not talked about, not acknowledged. And then that decade continues. Then you have actual material that's being created, films and TV shows and books that are addressing it. So sometimes you'll take like a current events thing and kind of explore it. But basically, She's going almost like year by year through each decade and pulling out popular movies and looking at how they portrayed sex. Again, like going back to the erotic 80s series, she like talks about dirty dancing and there's all kinds of really, really fascinating conversations. Well, now she's into the erotic 90s. Now, I myself, as class of 95, (laughs) the 90s were when I was just for the first time had even access to movies that had some kind of sexual theme going. There were sexual in nature. And it's so good. And I want to say this because she's doing this in such a smart, like thought provoking way. I love a nostalgia podcast. And there are so many podcasts that center around nostalgia. I do think that nostalgia just for the sake of Warm, fuzzy feelings, and like, oh, I remember this. Like, that can be interesting, but it doesn't really hold your interest. For me, anyway, I love when nostalgia is combined with a critical lens that helps Mm -hmm. us to better remember who we were individually and also collectively at a certain time. So, I think it's just so thought provoking. I've been loving both of the series, Erotic 80s and Erotic 90s. And I will say, Even if this does not sound like your usual cup of tea, not something you would usually tune into, I want to point you to one specific episode to go check out. It was dropped in early April. And the title of the episode is Pretty Woman Sleeping with the Enemy and Julia Roberts in the Early 90s. And it just kind of traces Julia Roberts' rise to fame, really provides some fascinating commentary on the movie Pretty Woman, which I know many people, I was going to say many women, but many people in my sort of age group have seen that movie probably a dozen times, maybe Iconic. more. Iconic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so it just kind of, again, deep dives the movie, Julie Roberts' Rise to Fame. It just kind of reexamines what works about that film, what it says about our view on things like sex work and also love and romance, money, class, so many things that are really encapsulated in that film. So even if you don't think you would be into that series, which I'm going to link in the show notes, but you could just go listen to that one episode. It's like an hour long and it's so fascinating. So
1: that's been really awesome this week to check out. Sounds good. I'm excited to look into it.
0: Yes. Okay. So we will put links in the show notes for our awesomes of the week. And as always, we really, really cannot wait to hear what's awesome in your life. You know, we're going into the summer season coming up and it's kind of a time when you know people are they're out and they're doing things. They have big family things going on, like we have graduation and there's weddings and there's all these things, and people are leaving for vacation. Our community kind of goes into summer mode, but I love that every Friday, predictability structure comes back to our life because every Friday we know we can depend on gathering to share all of our awesomes of the week, so we can do that over in Facebook in our sort of awesome hangout. I have a link in the show notes for you for that or on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. So would love to hear from you on that. Rebecca, we have a really good conversation that I cannot wait to dive into. We're going to get to that when we come right back. Hey friends, if you are anything like me, then looking at the monthly budget for your family can feel a little confusing and chaotic right now. Prices are rising on food and gas, and of course, on healthcare costs. We all know that health insurance plans can be confusing and expensive. Then, when you actually have to use your benefits, there are deductibles, claim processes, and other red tape to deal with. Well, CrowdHealth Health. Puts you back in control of your healthcare and helps you pay for healthcare expenses. My husband Kyle and I have been small business owners for almost 10 years. And we realized right away we were going to have to find an alternative to traditional health insurance plans. And that is a huge reason why I love crowd health. It is simple, transparent, and affordable. You get access to a crowd of thousands of other members who are ready to help you pay for your large health expenses. And you get a personal care advocate who will negotiate bills on your behalf. $40 $40 of your $175 monthly payment helps pay for your care advocate, telemedicine services, discounted prescriptions, and other tools to get you the best care at an affordable price. The remainder of that monthly payment goes into a Crowd Health account that you own. So you can help others in the crowd pay for their medical expenses as well. Awesome, you can experience healthcare freedom with CrowdHealth. Visit joincrowdhealth.com and use code awesome at checkout to get your first 3 months for just $99 per month. That's joincrowdhealth.com promo code awesome. CrowdHealth is not health insurance, it's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. Okay, we are back and this week Rebecca and I want to have a conversation about the process of deciding to DNF. Again, that stands for in online lingo did not finish a book could be a TV show. We're going to talk about that a little bit too, and just the sort of conflict that some of us feel about whether or not to DNF a book. Now, I think it's so fascinating, Rebecca, that at the top of the episode that you said you're generally in favor of DNFing a book. Like on a theoretical level,
1: you're okay with it, right? Thousand percent. Yes, I think that there is a right way and a wrong way to handle whether or not you DNF a book. And I think the right way is always to quit the book. I'm a firm believer that that's the right way to live. (laughs) But for some reason, it's so hard. (laughs) Yes. Okay, let's talk about what makes it hard. And I know
0: you actually had a specific book that you were kind of wrestling with. You have a couple that you want to talk about. Because I feel like sometimes you can pick up a book and start it, and I think most readers will just be like, within a few pages even, or maybe the first chapter, just be like, you know what, this isn't for me, and set it to the side, or return it to the library. What is it that makes it hard? What brings up that angsty struggle for you, do you think?
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that, that there's some books that you can quit super easy. No angst, right? Well, I was reading a book, and... I'm not afraid to say the names of these books, but this one I will keep to myself just because I truly thought it was just kind of boring, and like that feels a little bit more <laughs> insulting than some of the other. Oh reasons yeah, why yeah. I, yeah. Uh-huh. I was reading it, and I was like, but I got so far into it, maybe over fifty percent, and then I had that little voice in my head that went, "I'm kind of bored. I'm just not into this." And the struggle was that I had multiple people recommend this book to me. I had people that I don't really know, but follow me online, send me DMs and say you specifically, I think, would like this book. I had a friend of the show, Lori Lynn. Lori Lynn, are you listening? I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She recommended this book. And for like a second, we were even talking about whether we wanted to use it for the Superstars book club. And there was lots of agreement in that conversation. Oh, yes, that'd be a good one. And I was like, oh, but wait, I'm not enjoying it. Like when somebody recommends it to you, Mm -hmm. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's one thing to say, yeah, thank you for the recommendation. It ended up not quite being for me. That feels like kind of okay. But to say I "I couldn't even finish it. That's a tough pill to swallow. That really is. Yeah, I have in my
0: notes that there are really only two big circumstances where I find it an emotional struggle to DNF a book. And one of those is when somebody that I respect their reading taste or somebody really super enthusiastically recommended it on a personal level. Like you were saying, if I'm watching TikTok and I get a lot of book talk, TikToks, you know, people raving about books. And so if I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I go put it on my Kindle or whatever, and I check it out and I'm like, "Mm, no, it's not for me. There's no investment on my part. Like a stranger online told me to check it out. So I don't really feel conflicted about that. But like you said, if somebody specifically says I think you personally, based on what I know about you, your reading tastes, the things you're into, yes. I think you'll really love this book. For me, the still recovering people <laughs> pleaser,
1: like I'm probably going to finish it even if I hate it. <laughs> right? Because I feel so bad. I did end up finishing that book. I did. I just couldn't not. And by the time yeah. that I was really ready to be done with it, and had talked to myself about why I'm not liking it and why I keep going with it. At that point, I was like, I am over this book. I really don't want to finish it, but I just feel like I can't not finish it. Mm -hmm, I was reading it on mm -hmm. my Kindle, and it said that I only had like two hours left, an hour and a half. I'm like, Rebecca, for the love, like just two more hours and you will be freed of this. I think that's another reason why I struggle sometimes to DNF books is if I have made it so far, and then I'm like, If I can just force myself (laughs) to finish these last two hours, like what's wrong with me? Like, I should be able to do that.
0: I get it. There's definitely like the sunk cost theory at play that once you have invested something, money, or time into a thing, it's really hard to walk away from it.
1: Yeah. I had reached out to the superstars through texting and gave them a little heads up that we were going to be having this conversation. And a few people, well, actually, a lot of people responded with their thoughts on DNF and book. And one of the things that came up was quitting a book, if you own it versus if you got it from the library, and that if you own it, that feeling like such a bigger mm-hmm. deal to quit the book. But if it's a library book, it's so much easier just to oh, I just send it back. Because what you said, like you haven't invested anything into it except for some time, right? Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk some specifics. What are some of the ones that you were like, you know what? I got into it. I was not feeling it. So took the DNF path on that. Every time I say DNF, I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong combination <laughs> for the abbreviation. So I feel a little insecure every time I say <laughs> DNF.
1: You've gotten it right every time. <laughs> so far.
0: <laughs> but let's hear what you put on your DNF list lately.
1: Okay, so I DNF'd a book by Jennifer Hartman called Wrong Heart. And this was another one that I really struggled with. In fact, I got this from Kindle Unlimited and it's still on my Kindle because part of me is like, oh, have I really abandoned it? Like for real, for real. And I think I have. I need to just get it off today. So the reason why I didn't like the book is the premise of the book is that her husband dies and he is an organ donor, and she falls in love with the man who got his heart. Okay. All right. Yeah. (laughs) That
0: sounds like a pretty standard contemporary romance setup. I can track
1: with that. (laughs) Okay, so the reason why I wasn't liking the book is because this man is mean. There's a difference between Grumpy Sunshine and a whole sunshine. He just was yeah. not nice. And yeah. I don't believe this chemistry. I don't understand why she is so drawn to him. Well, I mean, her husband's heart. That's why. But I don't believe this romance story because, man, this guy's just mean. I don't like yes. him. And if you're not yeah. liking him, then why in the world are you reading the romance novel? It's not just like yes. traditional fiction. It's a romance novel. You need to like the hero of the story. So my that's angst, true. though came because Jennifer Hartman is an author that I love. In fact, okay. she wrote my favorite book of last year, Still Beating. She's the trauma bond author that I really like.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm connecting so many things here that make this make more sense. Why you were having a lot of angst over it. All right. So the
1: struggle was real because I'm like, no, 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 no. How can I go from her writing my favorite read of the year last year to me quitting her book. How does that make sense? So I kept waiting to like get over. I kept waiting for like the chemistry to improve. I just kept waiting for like that thing. And Mm -hmm. this is a good time for me to read this from one of the superstars. Nancy said that for her, it literally took her until she was in her 50s, until she allowed herself permission to quit a book. She said, you know, you keep thinking that the next chapter is going to be the one that pulls you in and then you'll be so glad you read it. But how often does that actually happen? And Mm -hmm. that's such a good point. Like, how often does that actually happen that you really just needed that one more chapter? And yes, Laura said, when people tell me, oh, stick with it for 50 pages and then it gets so good. She said, I say, I only read books that are good from the beginning.
0: (laughs) Oh, look at you, Superstar Laura.
1: That's <laughs> Isn't a good, that so uh, smart? Personal policy, yes. But going back to Rom Hart, I just didn't quite know how to rectify these two things in my mind. An author I yeah. loved writing a book I didn't connect with. And so mm-hmm. eventually I did DNF, but that is one that I significantly struggled with.
0: This is a total rabbit trail question that's just a little sidebar. Which do you think is more difficult as a reader? A book that is bad, 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 like you are trying to power through to get to that last chapter because you think there's going to be some redemption and then that does happen. So like a bad book that's good at the end or a good book that has a bad ending where the ending just kind of falls flat. Which do you think is the more frustrating experience as a reader? Has that happened to you? I was talking with superstar Kate recently. She is my yoga accountability partner. We text about other random things during the day. And she read a book that I had recommended last year on Sort of Awesome. And she really liked it, but she didn't particularly care for the ending. And she was like, I want to talk to you about this book. Here was my experience with it. I really liked it, but the ending was just like a little off for me. And I was like, thank you. I actually really do feel the same way. And so we kind of talked about that. It was a really, really great book, but the ending felt a little rushed at the end. They tried too quickly to tie some things up. And that can be a frustrating experience. Do you want to tell us what the book was? No, I don't. I don't want to. I knew you wouldn't. It was a very popular book last year. People can DM me if they have their guesses. No, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) No, not going to do it. But if you want to DM me and ask me if you want to guess, I will tell you. So that's a thing. That's like a frustration. I don't know. I'm actually trying to think. Have I ever read a book that I really hated, or I just didn't enjoy, but I stuck it out, and then by the end, I was like, I am so glad I finished this.
1: I know that's that thing that even exists no. in the world. <laughs> no, instead, I'm like, oh, thank goodness it's over, and just throw it across the room.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Tell us about some more books that I know that you had to make that really difficult decision to DNF recently.
1: Okay. So the latest was that I DNF'd A Court of Wings and Ruin, which is book three (gasps) of the Akatar series, A Court of Thorns and Roses.
0: Thorns and Roses. Okay.
1: I agonized over this. One thing that I have tried to do over the past couple of years, as I have really zeroed in on reading romance, as I have told myself, okay, you can read only romance. That's totally fine. But there's actually lots of different types of genres within the romance genre. So why don't you explore some of that and try some of that and see what you really like? And one thing that repeatedly has been presented to me on social media and in my DMs is this idea of romantic fantasy. And I've been pretty hesitant because I don't think that's my natural go-to. I wasn't somebody as a kid who read a lot of fantasy. It just wasn't really my thing. But I was like, okay, I feel like I owe it to myself. And like, I owe it to the reading community. If there's like one thing I do this year, I actually made it one of my reading goals for the year is I want to explore the world of fantasy romance and see for myself, for sure, am I gonna like it or not? Because I can't tell you how many times I had mentioned on social media or on the podcast that I had never read Akatar. It would be like an eruption of groans and disappointment (laughs) from people listening. They're like, Rebecca, please, you have to read Akatar. Like, what are you waiting for? What's your problem? Well, I read it. I'm like, it's just not for me. Yeah. It's just not for me. (laughs) I can see that.
0: I've kind of realized I should just not give you book recommendations anymore because I just think our reading tastes are so different. With the exception, we do have some authors that we both do really like. I love Christina Lauren books, and I probably wouldn't have found them without your guidance. I don't know if I make that great of discovery. I know for a fact that when you that you didn't like, that you didn't name, that a lot of awesomes liked. I read it and I liked that one. (laughs) I just don't think our taste always lines up. And so as you're talking about, I haven't read the Akatar series either. As you're talking about giving it a try and not liking it, I'm like, I could have told you you're not going to like it. (laughs) And I've never even read it. (laughs) Well, so you made it to book three. okay? that's something.
1: I did. I made it to book three. Because those books are long, right? Yeah, I listened to it on audio. Otherwise, I wouldn't have even made it through book one because I just would have been too distracted and bored with it. But yeah, when I was listening to book three, it got to this point where everybody was sitting around and they were talking once again about the history that goes back for centuries about who's mad at who and. What happened in this battle and who cursed this person? And I literally heard a voice in my head that says, I'm bored. I do not like this. And I was like, oh, (laughs) shoot. Ah, shoot. (laughs) Well, I guess that's the end of this one. (laughs) But like, I felt bad about it because especially I had people tell me that they specifically think that I should read book four. Okay. I was like, well, should I hold out for book four? And then even just today, I got the notification on my Libby app that book four is available for me in audio. And I was like, well, should I just start book four and just skip it? No. What am I doing? See, why can't I just let it go? I just need to let it go.
0: This is an interesting part that I hadn't even thought about. But if you are reading a series, and especially I think if it's a series where you're not waiting for the next one to come out, like maybe most or all of it is already out. And there's a lot of hype around the series. It's that thing of investment again. If you're like, I've already read three out of the five in this series and you have to decide, am I going to push through to get through the series? That is such a complicating factor for sure.
1: Yeah. So there was this other series that I read. It is called More of Us to the West. And I really liked it because it had this Trauma bond element to it, which you know, you know, I'm a sucker for. Mm -hmm. We're talking plane crash, deserted island, people falling in love who aren't supposed to be falling in love. I mean, I just ate it up. I loved it so much. I could not get enough of it. And then I went on Instagram and I did a whole reel about it. And I don't even do that much book reviews on my Instagram. I do from time to time, but they're not like super common. And I did a reel and I was like, we have got to talk about this book. You have got to read it. And then I read book two and I was like, oh, shoot, I should Mm. never have recommended book one because book two is vastly different from book one. Wow. And they were like really long books and it was very, very different. Then I was like, "Okay, well, let me see if book three, the last book and Meg, it wasn't the last book. There was a hint of book four and I've kind of been following along. And one of our superstars has been texting me updates because she read it based off of my recommendation, which I feel terrible about. And she's all invested. And guess what? There's a book five. I cannot. Oh, like, I no. cannot. <laughs> and so I am so torn because I really want to know what happens to these people. But I don't want to invest three months of my life reading these epically of long course. books to find out. So I keep sending her these little texts can you just tell me this part? Like, do they ever like fill in the blank? And she responds back with, well, there's only so much I can tell. And I'm like, I can't decide if I want to read it or not. (laughs) And like, Meg, I don't, I don't want to read it. I don't. I want to watch the movie. Maybe I want to know what happens, but I don't want to spend three months reading it. Yeah. So I just need to let it go. And I think that that's part of it is letting go and like not knowing how everything ties up. It feels like you're missing out on something. Wow. Okay.
0: That's a lot. It's a lot of angst, Rebecca.
1: (laughs) Were there any others you wanted to talk
0: about (laughs) and name by name and call out?
1: (laughs) Meg, this is so unfair. Right now, what are three books that you have DNF? This is so unfair. Okay. I want it noted. I asked Meg, This is so unfair. Meg, I (laughs) asked you specifically, are we going to name titles? Because I know some people feel really bad about giving negative reviews publicly and they feel really icky about that. And I was like, I suspect Meg might feel this way. And so I'm going to specifically ask her, how detailed are we going to get? And then you said, I think we can do it. I think we should do it. Name names is what you said. And then before we even started recording, you said to me, Meg, are you legit prepared to say the (laughs) titles of these books? And I said, yes. And then here we are, and I'm alone in this island of public scrutiny, and you have named nothing. (laughs) Why did you bring me here? (laughs) What is happening?
0: (laughs) I mean, a careful analysis of my words. I never said I was
1: going to. Oh, my word.
0: Well, look, I actually do have something to say about that. But go ahead. Let's get to your last one. And then I will explain myself,
1: kind of. <laughs> and even after all that, you're just like, please, just give us more of your trash. Well, our- <laughs> I want to give you your time to share. Okay, well, the only other thing... That I have been struggling lately to DNF, that I'm still currently kind of on the fence on. And this is yeah. dipping into the TV land. Is okay Gray's Anatomy. Oh this my show. Gosh. <laughs> yes. Meg, when I tell you this show, it's never gonna end. No. It is never going to end. And I am so bored of this show, but somehow I cannot get myself to quit because I'm like, well, oh goodness gosh. sake. I have invested this many years of my life at this point. It's like on season yes. 18 or 20 or something. I'm like, "Well, surely it's going to end sometime." And I would love to see how it all yeah. ends, but it just keeps going and going and going. But what do you know, Meg? When the superstars responded to my texts, almost the only television show that was brought into the conversation was Grey's Anatomy. Like repeatedly, Grey's Anatomy. What is up with this <laughs> with this show?
0: Well, That's why it hasn't ended, because people keep watching it, even though it should have ended maybe a decade ago. I watched two episodes of that from season one and knew it wasn't for me. Are you still watching it in real time?
1: No. Okay, so everything got pushed back during the pandemic, right? Yeah. The schedule got pushed back. Well, when Grey's Anatomy came back, they came back. The characters were living the pandemic. And I tried to watch it. And I was like, no, I can't. They're doing an excellent job, but it is just too fresh. I cannot. And so I quit. I took a massive break and I didn't know if I was ever going to return. And then I talked to one of my girlfriends who's been watching the show since the beginning. I was like, how long do they stay in the pandemic? Because I just can't if they're going to stay there. And she told me, oh, the next season they moved on and acted like it was fine and it was done and it was over. So I was like, "Okay, well, let me stick with it. So I eventually did get back to it. But now, because I took such a long break, I am like very behind and I only hardly ever watch it. Sometimes I'll watch it when I'm painting my nails, but that's about it. Alisa, mm. a superstar, said, how could we know when we loved those first seasons of Grey's Anatomy that it would still be running over a decade later? It's <laughs> such a good point. How did we know that we were signing ourselves up? <laughs> For a decade-long commitment.
0: (laughs) Literally, yes. That's how I feel about Supernatural, which went on for 15 seasons, that I watched every bit of, and that show easily could have ended after, like, season seven or eight, and they just kept making it because people kept watching it, and I did watch it all the way through to the end. The ending was not worth the investment of time. If I would have known where it was going and how it was going to end, I would have given myself, it's the same thing. I would have given myself permission to quit a long time ago. So I do understand that so much.
1: Okay. So now what is something that you have quit? Okay. Well, I did do the same thing
0: in terms of punishing myself (laughs) through watching True Blood, which I haven't talked about as sort of awesome in years because it's out of production. But That's another one too, where I think it's, a little different too. This is kind of a side question. I feel like streaming adds a new part to the dynamic, a new decision to be made because True Blood was a show I started watching in real time where if you were going to watch it, you had to watch every single Sunday night for those 10 episodes. Yeah. When it was the season and that's it. And so, but then by the end of True Blood, you could just watch binge the whole season. And so I think that's an interesting thing, too, when it comes to TV shows, especially long running ones, the ones that started before you could watch them on demand or watch streaming. You really do feel like this has been a part of my life for so long. And you're so invested in just the experience of it, as opposed to if you start streaming a show and you get three episodes in and you're like, "Yeah, it's not for me. You can pretty easily turn it off. Right.
1: I'm having a mind blown moment cuz i'm trying to think of anything else that i have stuck with as long like since i've started doing streaming and i have quit plenty of shows since that i watched during streaming yeah i think that's a huge point like i think that makes a lot of sense and i do i think it comes back to the whole investment
0: thing like the sunk cost thing how much you've put into it makes it really hard okay i looked through all of my kindle audible i looked around at my print books i am way 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 more prone to collect books and leave them on my TBR to be read and not start them, as opposed to starting and not finishing. I will say there are many, many books on my Kindle right now that I just saw on some like random TikTok. And I've read like two pages of, then I was just like, no, I'll come back to it. It wasn't that I didn't like it. It wasn't like I was intentionally not finishing. I just get distracted. But Rebecca, one interesting thing that I uncovered in my reading habits is if a book is on audio, 99% of the time, I will finish it. I feel more invested for some reason in the books I'm reading on audio than I do the ones that are in book form or on Kindle. And I don't understand what that is. But I can't tell you how many books that had I been reading it in print, I probably would have DNF because I just got bored or whatever. But if I'm doing it on audio, for some reason, I feel compelled to finish even if I'm not into it. Tell me what that's about.
1: Well, you can be doing other things. So it doesn't feel like yeah, you're only sitting and reading the book. Like you're driving. What are you going to okay. do anyway while you're driving? You're making dinner, yeah. you're folding laundry, you're cleaning. So like your time isn't actually wasted versus when you're like actually yes. like, reading, reading. That's wasted time. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, that was just a very big realization for me. I had not until that moment actually intentionally thought about my reading habits in terms of what I finish and what I set to the side. I did find one book and I am going to share the title of it that was not for me and that I actually intentionally was like, I'm making the choice to not finish this. It is a book I'm almost positive. I either saw it on a TikTok or maybe I even saw the author on TikTok. It's called Lycanthropy and other chronic illnesses. Lycanthropy is, you know, being a werewolf, <laughs> and it's what? by Kristen O'Neill. Is this
1: so, a fiction book
0: or is this nonfiction? It's a fiction book. <laughs> totally, it's like YA, yeah, fantasy. It's like werewolfism, and the concept was really interesting to me. This idea that when you have a chronic illness and the impact of a chronic illness on your physical body, how it could be like the shape-shifting aspect of being a werewolf. I know, okay, when I'm saying it out loud, (laughs) it's a little bit of a hard sell. But you know me, this should be a book that I enjoy, right? As you're listening to me talk about it.
1: Okay, this is going to maybe make me sound really stupid, but I really thought that this was a nonfiction book when you first said the title. (laughs) And I was like, this sounds like a textbook. This sounds horrible. What is this? of course, this is what you DNF'd. Some like medical journal. Like I was very confused.
0: (laughs) Which is why nobody should recommend fantasy books to Rebecca. She doesn't know. (laughs) Straight out of the gate. So I thought this book, I was like, okay, I can dig it. I have a lot of experience, a lot of people around me that have chronic illness of different kinds. My family always jokes that I am a werewolf because my skin runs so hot and it's a long-standing joke in my family. And I was like, this could be really good. And it's probably one of the few books. And again, I was reading it on Kindle. I wasn't listening to it. That The further I got into it, I was like, I love the concept of the book, but the execution of this idea is not hitting for me as a reader. It just was not tracking. And another thing too, Goodreads, it has really good reviews. It's like got over four stars on Goodreads and Amazon. So I was like, yeah, this seems like, you know, people are into it. And I'm sure it is a book that does speak to some people. But for me, the tone was a little off for me, the experience of it. It just wasn't for me. So I set it to the side. (laughs) But since most of my reading is on audio, and I have this weird compulsion to finish audiobooks, I haven't DNF'd books in a while. So I collect them and don't start them.
1: Yes, that's a thing. (laughs) Do you feel any sort of obligation to the author? Because I did have a superstar reply that she cannot DNF a book because she feels too bad for how much the author has invested. Yes, I have had that struggle in the
0: past. And the other, you know, I mentioned that one of the times that I just cannot DNF a book is if somebody recommends it for me personally and enthusiastically. The other case is for me if I know the author.
1: Oh well, that's a whole. I will read thing. it
0: because I feel like I owe it to the person to read it. And I will say, my understanding of this has evolved. I did for a long time, many years, probably decades of being a reader. I could not finish a book because I did feel like I owed it to the author to honor their work by finishing the story. I think. As I've moved into my 40s and I just have such more limited time with family and work and all kinds of things that I've come to a place where I can both say, I really honor the fact that this author put a lot of time and effort. I know writing is so hard on so many levels, not to mention getting a book published. They've gone through a lot to get it published. So I can say, good job, you. You did it. You wrote the book. And also, it's not for me as a reader. I'm not your reader for this book. It's taken a lot of time to get to that place, for sure.
1: This is fascinating. Do you struggle with that? No. (laughs) Okay. No, not at all. This is so fascinating because for me, I feel like the act of reading a book is about what it does for me. I'm going into this thinking about me. I'm not thinking about what I am doing for the author. Like the author has already done their business. This isn't about the author. This is about me and whether or not yeah. I enjoy it. I mean, this is in the case of authors being strangers, right? That has to be. The yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The author is a stranger. They don't even know that I'm reading the book. They're not going to know that I quit the book. How are they going to care? This isn't going to hurt their feelings or their honor. They don't even know I have it. <laughs> I've never once thought, oh, I can't quit the book because the author put in so much work that literally has never crossed my mind.
0: That's so fascinating. So interesting. I would love to hear from the awesomes if this is a hang up for them when it comes to quitting books. Yeah, there's so many ways that we have some common threads here and definitely different ways of viewing these. Okay, well, Rebecca and I have a few more thoughts on just the whole topic of DNFing books and a few more thoughts from the superstars to share with you. We're going to get to all of that when we come right back. Okay, we're back. Rebecca, like you mentioned, you were texting through our texting app, which is one of our perks for being a superstar. Awesome. The superstars support us on Patreon, and we're so thankful. And one of the things you can do is text with me and Rebecca and other people on the team. So you ask them, like, what are your thoughts on DNFing books or TV shows? What are some of the other things that some of the superstars shared?
1: Well, we really got a variety of responses back because this is such a varied topic, how people feel about it. So we have Amy who says, I'm going to be 50 in October and I have never DNF'd a book. Just can't do it. Whoa, never? Never. Wow. Okay. Okay. Also, Katie, we know her from the Currently Reading podcast. She also never DNFs books. I know, she reads like 300 books a year. And she re-reads
0: them. (laughs) Like she's really in there. She's really reading them. Wow, I am amazed, okay.
1: But then I had lots of other people who said, like Lisa, she said, life is way too short and there's too many good books, shows, and movies to get stuck behind something you're not enjoying. And I think for me, that's the key. That was the thing that really kind of changed my mind about DNFing to give me even greater permission to do so, is the idea of getting stuck behind something I'm not enjoying. Because what I have found is if I'm not liking a book, what happens is instead of opening the book, I open up TikTok. Instead of opening the book, I scroll Instagram. I do all these things to kind of like keep procrastinating, putting off the book. But when it's a book... Or a TV show that I am really into, I can't hardly put it down. I'm looking for like any little moment to read that book. Right. One of the author, one of the hosts from the Faded Mace podcast, they were doing like a question and answer time. And you know, they read like a ton for their podcast and just like life for them in general. And one of the questions for them was, how do you read so much? And one of them responded, well, because I DNF so much. I can read more when I DNF more. And I kind of think that makes sense. Hmm.
0: Yes, I absolutely agree. It goes back to that concept of sometimes you have to cut things out of your life just to make space for the things that you want to bring into your life. I am much more prone to that philosophy, except apparently when it comes to audiobooks, that don't hang on to something that feels like drudgery when you could be, like you said, discovering something that you absolutely cannot wait to get to and to get through. Definitely. That's interesting.
1: Going along with this, Anna said, my current goal is to quit anything that makes me avoid reading. Relatable, right? Like that's what we're talking about. Yeah. She goes on to say, one thing that has helped me is having an abandoned book list in addition to my finished book list then at least I feel like I got some credit for the pages that I read. Because Meg, one thing that we have not talked about is what about when you are tracking your reading and you have a reading goal for the year, whether you're public with that or it's just your own personal business. Yeah. That is something that I struggle with. If I'm 80% through a book and I'm like, this is dumb, I want to stop, or I am bored, I feel like if I quit now, then I can't actually finish it. Or if I quit now, then I can't count it towards my reading.
0: Right. That makes sense. I will say, you know, at the beginning of 2022, when I was super into the idea of tracking your reading through the year, I watched so many booktubers, YouTubers who focus on book content, walk through their reading journals. And more than a few have a section every month for their DNF books, just to give themselves credit because they tried a book. I do think it would be a little bit messier if you are a person who has a reading goal for the year. If you're like, I'm going to read 52 books this year. I think for me, and this is probably why I don't do reading goals, is I think I would get really tangled up in my mind and be like, well, I have to read a book a week if I'm going to make this goal. And so I've got to just push through it. I got to finish it. So I think if you have a goal in mind, if you track your reading, I think that that could be a huge factor. It doesn't necessarily play in for me, but I can see that. That makes sense. Well, listen
1: to this scandalous take from D. She says, if I'm a ways in, I also count it on Goodreads. And
0: I found what? that shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if she has an objective number. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I sent her a follow-up text and I said, how far do you have to be into the book to still count it towards your reading goal? and she said maybe 40%. I now I am shocked.
0: <laughs> I thought I'm she was going to say like if I make it 75% in then I'll say okay I finished it. That's some creative Counting of pages,
1: D. I That's a wild it. take. It's a wild <laughs> take. I'm gonna say it. Meg's too nice. She's not, but I'm saying it. That's a wild take.
0: <laughs> the English teacher in me would never
1: allow that in my own personal reading life, but hey, do what works. <laughs> I have to say though, that the idea of not actually reading every single page and it's still counting towards your reading goal is a very liberating idea. You and I did a podcast a while back. I think it was sometime last year about birth order. And I bought a book specifically about birth order. And I would say that I probably read at least 75 to 80% of that book. And I was kind of mad at myself because I was like, oh, I've read so much of this book. I haven't read every page, so I can't really count this towards my reading goal. But like, what if I did? Who's checking up on me? Like, what if I did? (laughs) At the end of the day, it's just you and your conscious
0: and <laughs> you just decide what you can live with. I think 75% is reasonable to say I read that book. I think with nonfiction books, genuinely, I think there's a different standard there. Like if you read a book mm. about birth order and you're like tracking and you're like, okay, I get what they're saying. This makes sense. I don't think you necessarily have to read to the very last page, including the acknowledgements at the end. <laughs>
1: Like, I think you can just be like, okay, I get it. So Sarah says that she feels like TV is easier to quit because she's not tracking episodes on an app like Goodreads, but for TV. So I really do think that this idea of us tracking, like, are we at times hurting ourselves? Are we helping or are we hurting ourselves with all this tracking that we're doing? I don't know. Yeah. But the overwhelming response that I'm getting from people is similar to what Christy says. She said, quitting things like books and TV is empowering. It's a reminder that I know myself and no one can push me into wasting my time on something that does not bring me joy. And just this idea again and again of people saying life is too short to read bad or boring books. There was a really heartwarming message that came from Julie. She told me a story about when she was going through cancer treatments and that she was reading a book that she wasn't really enjoying. And a fellow patient next to her receiving treatment asked her what she was reading. And she kind of like uh, rolled her eyes about this book that she doesn't really like. And this patient next to her kind of giggled and said, you know, life's too short for books we don't like. And then given their circumstances, It's just so profound. Like it's something we can just say sometimes, but not really soak in and feel like we mean it. But in that situation, it really hit her hard. And so ever since then, Julie has been more willing to give up on books that she does not like because unfortunately life is too short for that. And lastly, the fellow co-host, the co-host from the Faded Mates podcast that was so pro DNFing books, her name is Jen. She put out a tweet that said something very similar to take the number of reading years that you hope to still have in your lifetime, multiply that by the number of books that you tend to read per year. And that number that you're left with, that small number compared to all the books that there are in the world, that's the only reading you have left. Why would you spend one of those on a book that you're not enjoying?
0: Oh, my. That is a very eye-opening way to look at it. And I wholeheartedly endorse DNFing books for all of those reasons. You guys, we have permission. Now, in the case of someone like Katie Cobb, I mean, she literally reads for her job. She's a professional reader. So I can understand that sometimes you like literally have to, but for those of us who are hobbyists, (laughs) yes, you are worth picking something and doing something that you really enjoy, especially because for most of us, reading is a hobby or something we do in our downtime, in our free time. Like, let me just tell you, let me just look you in the eye and say, you and your free time are worth it to only read books that you are really loving, that you're really into, or at least at the very least that you want to give a chance. So please feel free to DNF to your heart's content. Okay, well, if you do want to talk more about books, reading, DNFing, books that you're loving, books that you now maybe hesitantly want to recommend to either of us. Oh,
1: dear. (laughs) Rebecca, where can people find you all around the web? My website is simplyrebecca.com. I hang out the most on Instagram at simplyrebecca.
0: You can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show just by searching Sorta Awesome, whatever platform you are on. We would love it to see you there. Awesome, thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.